Brought to you by Business Fights Poverty. Hello and welcome to Business Fights Poverty Spotlight Interviews. I am Katie Heisen, Director of Thought Leadership. Each week, these interviews provide you with the insights from a different perspective of Business Fight Poverty Network, giving you first-hand understanding of how businesses and others are working on some of the world's biggest social challenges. If you want to find a partner, there is no better person than Darian Stibby. Partnering for a sustainable future, that is. Darian was once a quantum physicist for NASA, with a PhD from London and Harvard. Then 16 years ago, his career pivoted and he hasn't looked back. Today, he is one of the leading thinkers and practitioners on delivering sustainable development through partnership. He is the founder of the Partnering Initiative and co-author of the recent paper with Business Fights Poverty, How Can Partnerships Create Rapid Innovation During the COVID-19 Crisis? Darian says, over the last 20 years, we've heard the ever louder rhetoric that the only way to achieve sustainable development, a prosperous society, prosperous business, a healthy environment, is for all sectors of society to work in collaboration. Despite this rhetoric, we're still only scratching at the surface of what needs to be done, says Darian, in comparison with the scale of the challenges we face. My mission is to turn that rhetoric into reality. So Darian, welcome. Thank you, Katie. It's a great pleasure to be here. Great to have you. Um, for those listening, could you just tell me a little bit more about the Partnering Initiative? Yes, of course. So the, the Partnering Initiative was set up in around 2003, originally as part of the International Business Leaders Forum, as a specialist centre to help to drive forward the, the theory and practice of effective multi-stakeholder collaboration. And for the last 17 years or so, we have really sort of developed so much of, the, of, of how effective partnerships work. We've built a really strong understanding around the mechanics and the dynamics of cross-sector partnering. So for the last five years or so, our role has really been about how to scale up collaboration for the, for the SDGs. And we work at multiple levels. We work from the international policy level, trying to ensure that the international community really understands business as a partner in development. We work on the development of platforms that bring together all sectors of society and catalyze collaboration. We work with partnerships themselves, from global down to local partnerships. We work with organizations to be institutionally fit for partnering. And we work with individuals to be able to build up their partnering skills and capacity for collaboration. And all of these things together are basically a, an holistic approach to drive collaboration to become the new normal, the new way that we all do business. And Darian, we're speaking in the middle of 2020, which I have to say is a particularly odd year. What does partnering mean for business at this time of COVID-19 and, and the other societal challenges that we're feeling? Well, COVID-19 has, has really come out of the blue for, for almost every company. Very few companies have on their risk register a major international pandemic. And very few, of course, have necessarily prepared fully for it. What we're seeing is that it has caused such incredible pressure on every sector of society. It's such an urgent threat to business models, as well as the way that everybody lives and works, 
And so what we've seen is that all sectors of society have really rallied round, have seen that there is this challenge, this, this, this threat of COVID-19, and we all need to do something about it. And by that, whether that's as individuals following social isolation or, or other COVID-19 rules, but what we've seen a lot of is companies really stepping up, really understanding the role that they are playing in society and really trying to do whatever they can in order to deal with some of the challenges of, of COVID-19. Now, that's at sort of multiple levels. That may be in just in the way that companies are, are working in terms of the way that they're using staff, et cetera. But what we're also seeing is companies doing whatever they can, often using their key business resources in order to, to deliver various solutions, whether they might be technical solutions like ventilators or new or changing what they, they're doing in order to start manufacturing, or you've got brewing companies who are manufacturing hand sanitizer, et cetera. Then we're seeing that they're using their sort of their core business in order to then tackle some of the issues of COVID-19. But in addition, we're also seeing the development of, of new partnerships, new collaborations, where business is able to, to have much more of an impact by working with other sectors of society in, in partnership. And that might be anything from in the UK, we have the Tesco supermarket, for example, partnering with various uh, charities. These charities have, have shops, the charity shops, where which, which they use to raise lots of money. And of course, the people working in those charity shops suddenly no longer have jobs. We have Tesco supermarket then actually employing these, these people to go and then help with their more vulnerable customers. So they're using sort of the different assets of the charity and the company in ways that can deliver, deliver win-wins and wins for society as well. And I think one of the, one of the, the issues behind it, one of the reasons behind it really is the, the leadership that we're seeing from CEOs of companies who are basically see COVID-19 as, as such a threat that they are really wanting to show their business is up there really helping to, to drive effective solutions against against COVID-19. And you've been working as part of the partnering initiative at the Coalface, arguably, I happen to know, with some businesses and other sectors over the last few months. How are things different in terms of the way those partnerships are happening or the sort of actual activities in comparison to what you would normally experience? Yes, this is this has been fascinating how the whole process of partnering has has changed during these very difficult times. And the the number one change in the sense of how it seems from the outside is about the amount of time that it takes to partner. And what we're seeing is that we're seeing collaborations being being put into place far, far more rapidly than we than we would ever see in normal times. So in normal times, when you are bringing organizations together where you are having to understand an alignment of interest or to, to better develop an alignment of interest, you're having to go through all of your internal systems and processes and due diligence and checking against budgets and engaging all the various people within your organizations who have to be able to say yes to the partnership, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That process of partnering can take a very significant amount of time, months, even, even years. And what we're seeing in the COVID-19 era 
is all of this being condensed sometimes into a, a matter of days. And we've seen collaborations, for example, uh, Unilever and Diffid around hand washing with soap campaign, where they're trying to reach a billion people. And this partnership, they agreed basically, it seems over a, a week or two, previously months, years. And you can sort of see the reason for it. I mean, the first one, of course, is about the urgency of the threat. So people know they need to move quickly. But what that also means is that we are seeing much more effort and concentrated, focused effort to make these, these partnerships happen. Very often we have the, the CEO or the executive director of, of NGOs standing up and saying to their organization, right, just get this done. And that means people focus their efforts. It means the lawyers try to find ways to make things happen rigorously still, but much, much more quickly. There is, there's been much more sort of funding has been made available with, with fewer ties, with, with, with fewer conditions. That means that people are able to, to spring into action much more quickly than normal. And I think we can learn something from this. So moving forward, when it comes to collaboration, certainly against future threats, but also hopefully when it comes to the building back better post-COVID-19, it will be wonderful if we can learn from some of those experiences of the rapid partnering in order to be able to speed up our future collaborative action. And thinking about your experience in partnering, um, Darian, what would you normally say are the key factors to delivering both social and commercial value at the same time through partnering? I mean, what's the business case for partnering? Well, the business case for, for partnering ranges. There is, in a sense, a sort of spectrum of the reasons why businesses engage in collaborations with, with, with nonprofits or the UN or even governments. And they range from, from one side, which is really not about core business, but it's more about, about, about philanthropy or charitable giving. And the business case for that is around being seen as a good corporate citizen. It's about and particularly being seen by your employees as a good company to work for. And of course, there's lots of partnerships along those, those, those lines or sponsorship agreements along those lines. More relevant to core business is a company looking at its longer term future. So it is going to look at now, what are the different aspects of society and the environment that I need to ensure are properly in place in order that I can continue to do, continue to do business? And so companies are willing to invest in long-term skill, skills building, for example, or they're willing to invest in partnerships that help to ensure equitable use of water in a, in a watershed. Moving them closer to sort of core business, there are key business risks to companies and sustainabilities of supply chains are a key business risk. So companies, of course, are, are willing to invest, for example, the, the cocoa supply chain. We know that chocolate companies are seeing that the, the quality of cocoa is going down. They're seeing that, that farmers are leaving farms because they're not earning enough money and they want to go off to the city instead. And so companies have no choice but to invest in the sustainability of their supply chains. And of course, this is well outside any company's scope of interest and knowledge. This is companies have to work with the NGOs that are working with the farmers and with the, with the local governments and with the technical training agencies, et cetera, in collaboration in order to secure their own supply chain. So it's around dealing with those pure business risks. 
And then finally, on the, the getting even closer to core business, it's about new market opportunities. It's about working with, with others to develop new pro-poor products and services or inclusive business, developing new factories, new manufacturing that engages the most vulnerable within their supply chain, for example. So it's the whole range of different, different aspects or different reasons why business engages in collaboration with, with other sectors. And Darian, how do you think these factors have changed over the last few months because of the COVID-19 piece? Do you think those learnings, those changes might have also lasting impacts to how we partner going forward? If you look at the key success factors for partnerships in general, and the first one really is about there is a common vision behind which both the company and the partners can clearly get behind. And all of the reasons that I listed above, in, in essence, sort of demonstrate incentives from both sides, because there is clearly a business reason, a business case for investment. And then, of course, there's a social case for investment from the partner's side as well. And so that's the first element, absolutely key, is having that shared vision that absolutely delivers benefits to, to all. The second one key success, success factors, I would say, is really about the level of commitment of the organization and therefore the champions and the leaders within, within the organization to be able to really to drive these types of partnerships and collaborations forward. Then there are, of course, the elements that are so important is about the quality of relationship and the trust among organizations. And if you've got a good relationship, that means you can move quickly. If you trust the other organization, that you're on the same page, that you have each other's backs, that you will do what you're going to that you say you're going to do, then that means you can move forward far faster when you're developing your partnership. And when things are going wrong, it means you could very quickly get over these, these, these challenges and find and find solutions. And of course, underpinning all of this is the really strong communication that is absolutely essential across across the partnership. Now, in terms of how some of these factors have changed in the last few months, I think the one where we're seeing a, a, something of a difference is around this issue of trust, because trust normally can take a while to build up. And it's only really by working with organizations, delivering things together, having those ongoing conversations, that working relationship, having the drinks outside work or whatever it may be, that over time you can sort of really build up a, a strong level uh, of trust among, among people and therefore among the organizations. When it comes to COVID-19, that whole relationship building side, we're seeing that the threat is too urgent to, to be able necessarily to go through that. And so what we're seeing is a very sort of accelerated process where organizations are going into, into these partnerships without necessarily having that pre-existing relationship and pre-existing trust. And I think it's because the level of threat is so great that they're almost they're, they're willing to make decisions and willing to move forward without actually having that base of trust in place. Now, of course, then by working together and delivering together, then that immediately starts to build it up, I think, really very, very quickly. So it's, I guess it's really as kind of an acceleration of process is what we're, what we're seeing. There is also another, what we're seeing, quite interesting aspect to, to it as well. 
when you're working together in partnership, of course, what you're trying to do is naturally deliver the, the objectives of the collaboration, but if you're also trying to gain from the partnership. There has to be mutual benefits in every collaboration. For the COVID-19 partnerships, we're seeing all sorts of organizations coming together for the common good. So their own particular gain is much, much less important. And they're willing to sort of go in there with much less of an ego, without, with much less requirements to gain value for their organizations themselves, which means the discussions and negotiations can happen so much faster because everyone is in it for the public good. We're not necessarily gaining significantly ourselves, which just makes, makes the whole thing flow extremely easily. And looking ahead now, Darian, what would be your top perhaps two, three trends that you see on the horizon as business and society attempt to rebuild, or hopefully better, from this pandemic? It's a really good question. And I think there's probably an optimistic answer, and there's probably a pessimistic answer. The optimistic answer is that COVID-19 has really opened our eyes. It's helped to lay bare many of the challenges within our society. And simultaneously, it's demonstrated that we can act together, that all of society can get behind, a, in this case, a particular threat, but we can get behind a vision where we're all collectively tackling COVID-19. We're genuinely all in it together. And that has been incredible to see the motivation, the momentum that has been created. And optimistically, we can, we can build on that. We can build on this momentum. We've, people can now see, first of all, that we can act. and We can act together. We can act collaboratively. People have seen that, yes, they can actually change the way that they live. I mean, who could imagine a year ago describing how we were living now in today in 2020? So when it comes to, for example, things like climate change, where we are going to have to adjust the way that we live, we now know that we can do that. Now we're under COVID-19, we've had to do it really, really quickly. And it's been hugely negative for many, many people. With, some, with future looming threats, we have more time. We can be much more deliberate in how we change our society and how we change the way that we live. For that to happen, we need to continue collectively as society to believe that we are all in it together so that companies are a positive part of any society. And companies need to understand the society in which they, in which they operate and the environment around them, and they need to be an integral part of it. At the same time, we need governments and societies and development communities to fully appreciate the role of, of business in societies, that all business that is sustainable, inclusive, and responsible is good for societies. It's the food that we eat is, is delivered into supermarkets at a cost that we can afford. Everything around us, our entire society, is built on the fact that, that we can achieve the efficiencies that allow us to, to live the way that we live. And so what we need to see for it to happen, for us all still to be in it together, is almost like a, a recommitment of all sectors of society that, that businesses commit to fully understanding their impact on 
society and the environment and moving towards the full uh, triple bottom line. We also need governments to stand and say, look, we understand businesses and we will do everything we can to support all businesses that are indeed sustainable, inclusive and responsible in order as part of trying to ensure that everybody feels like they're in it together and therefore can collaborate together as part of the building back post, post-COVID-19. And what's interesting, of course, is that there, is a, there was already a blueprint for it. The SDGs, the Sustainable Development Goals, already provide a blueprint for effective, sustainable development that bring together the, the societal, environmental, and business into one complete framework. So the optimistic idea is that we understand we can act together, we understand we're all in it together, and we do everything we can to collectively drive forward the Sustainable Development Goals. Unfortunately, the pessimistic side of me feels that, sadly, we are unlikely to try to tread that path. I fear that we are going to push back to where we were four months ago and try to get back to what we call normal. And of course, we know that normal is anything but, or normal is destroying our planet. And normal includes huge disparities in the way that people live. Normal includes the racism that the Black Lives Matter the Black Lives Matter has, has really brought or rebrought to the intention of the world. Sadly, there are so many vested interests, and we're saying seeing so little leadership, particularly leadership in government, but interestingly, we're seeing more leadership in, in business, I would say, than from government. So, Darian, rather than ending on the pessimistic my one final question to you really today is how do we make sure that we don't go back? How do we try and actually rebuild better? What would be your one call to action for those who are listening to this podcast today? Well, I think the, the risk about going back to the old normal is caused by a lack of leadership. We are not seeing the leaders, whether they are mainly within government, whether that's national government or internationally within within the UN or intergovernmental system, we are not seeing that vision coming through. We are not seeing the commitment from governments to change things, to shift our societies in ways that make it much more sustainable, inclusive and resilient. And so with that sort of vacuum of leadership at the top, then I think it is up to every individual to be able to do whatever they can to say this is not acceptable. We have to change the way that we live, work and operate as a society. And that means as individuals coming together as collectives to be able to have a a voice, an advocacy voice, pushing for change. And that means within the organisations that we work in, that we need to push and change our own organisations to shift the way that we work to really fully understand our impact on society, our role in society, and maximise the positive benefits that we bring to society, minimise the, the, the negative, and work collaboratively towards the joint vision of this sustainable, responsible, inclusive society. If you are the CEO of an organisation, you are in an incredible position of power. 
because you can influence, first of all, your own organization. You can influence the staff within your organization. You can hopefully influence your, your suppliers and your customers. And you can influence other CEOs. Finally, you can also influence government. Most governments will listen to business people who, have, who are running these huge multinational companies. You have a special voice. You have a special opening to be able to really genuinely push our leaders to act. And together, if we can get behind a clear vision, and I think the Sustainable Development Goals demonstrate what that clear vision is, collectively, we can drive our societies and transform them to become the future that we want. Well, Darian Stibby, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, your insight, and also your um, clear calls to action with us today. Thank you so much, Katie. Great pleasure. Great to have you. And if you like what you've heard today, please do rate and subscribe to us. I would also love to hear your feedback. So please do drop me a line at any time. I'm Katie at businessfightspoverty.org. Many thanks. Brought to you by Business Fights Poverty.